0: You cannot afford to be really ignorant of numbers, but your business as a whole, I would say from the private labelers perspective anyway, must be good at numbers, if not excellent. And- hey folks, this is Michael Veazey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key E-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to AmazingFBA.com forward slash four five jibbo Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this Deep Dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. We are Michael Veazey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you could be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. I've got a few other principles where I can just quickly go over these things because it comes up a lot. At the 10K elective. we spend a lot of time discussing debt. I mean, just a couple more. I mean, I speak to a few financial experts for the podcast as well. I'm lucky enough to get some very bright people to tell me that stuff that I need to have my eyes open to. The first thing is that pretty much all loans, especially for banks, but any loan really is ultimately based on two factors, cash flow for every single loan and collateral, i.e. stuff the bank can sell off if you mess it up. So, you know, the classic is a mortgage on a house. Bear in mind, secured loans or security sounds like a nice word, but it's not security for you, it's security for the bank. So your house is security for the bank if you secure the loan on your house, but is not security for you, Is the absolute opposite. And it sounds like a real no-brainer, stupid thing to say, but there's a lot of sort of fluffy-mindedness about debt, and I think it's important to be crystal clear what that means. In practice also, as I've mentioned, and I think it's worth mentioning again, there is not really such a thing as an unsecured loan above a certain amount. In the UK, and it seems that you normally have to guarantee the debt personally, so you're risking your home. And as long as you really are a sophisticated operator, that's okay, but you really, really need to know exactly what you're doing. And everyone I know who's doing that wisely has considerable financial expertise and or a financial director or an accountant that they bring in. So that's my you know two penneth or ten penneth. What about you? What's the best advice you've had on this whole topic? Because it is a big old topic. And what was the source of that advice as well?
1: Yeah. Well, I mentioned my Saturday morning breakfast buddy, and he's certainly given me tons and tons of tips and ideas over time. I think the other piece of advice originally came from my favorite business book, which is Paul Hawkins, Growing a Business. Just really encourage you to... This book is like a dollar on Amazon because they're all from 1985. <laughs> and they're, so, so you can just buy a used one. You can't buy it new. But he has a great section on money and I'll just share a couple of tips here. You can feel free to interrupt me and we'll chat about any of these, but th- he's got a few that I just pulled out of this chapter. He didn't list them in sequential order like this, but they're just pearls of wisdom. And so I'll just rattle them off here and we can chat about some of them. His comments in that chapter include smart business owners systematically lower risk over time. And that's what my you know Saturday morning mentor guy has basically repeated over and over. Do everything you can to lower risk. The second thing Paul Hawken talks about is it's really a trade skill that you're learning. Financial management is a trade skill, and you want to treat it like a journeyman operator that you just day in and day out, unemotionally, you learn the pragmatic details of how to operate your finances. And if debt is a part of that, fine, but you want to do it in a journeyman-like fashion. The third thing he says is you always want to borrow money before you need it. Never in a crisis, and he really talks about building relationships over time. Whether it's friends and family, whether it's from a banker locally, you want to establish that relationship so that you don't have to do this work in a crisis. That's the worst possible time to try to sort this out because you're emotionally triggered and you're you know you're on a you know hair trigger in terms of what you need to do and you get deadlines and that's just a recipe for disaster. The fourth thing he says is always bootstrap your business from the beginning, as you mentioned. You'd never want to borrow money for an unproven business with unproven personal skill sets and a hope and a prayer. You just don't want to borrow money for that. So just don't do that. So you want to start small and bootstrap. Fifth thing he says is too much money actually is frequently the problem for businesses, not the answer to any problem. He really goes into d- detail about the sloppiness that can ensue when too much money is laying around. And so he just guard, he suggests that we guard against that and be careful in situations when we have a surplus of money that we don't make stupid mistakes or waste money. A sixth thing he says is start a business with just enough capital. Never over borrow, over invest, over you know, fund a business that's just starting out. It'll you'll do smarter decision making when you've got just enough to get by on in the beginning. And then, his seventh suggestion is only ever borrow money from sources that you're really comfortable with. That would be the long-term relationships, you know, things that you know, you understand the details of, and that you would say, you know, you want to be, you know, in a relationship with that lender, or if it's an individual, that person for the long term. So I love his advice. That chapter is rich with additional content. So I just encourage everybody to go check that old book out from 1985 pre-internet, but man, it's still got some fantastic insights in it. So there you go.
0: That's a really fantastic list. I'd love to sort of camp on this for a bit. I mean, the first thing to say about older wisdom, Paul Perry Marshall, who's an internet marketer who's been around for pretty much forever in terms of internet marketing years, is somebody who's developed from a marketing specialist to really a really good business strategy thinker. And one of his things, I mean, like yourself, I know he's a man of, of strong faith and He's a big believer in re- reading books that are at least a thousand years old, at least once a week or something along those lines. And I think older stuff is like has been more stable if it's still valid now. It's, it's been tested for several decades in the case of Paul Hawking. So that's a really good start. And, and it gets you away from the internet business's different thinking, which particularly for the banking fraternity are not so au fait with how the internet world works. They, they don't think that way. And if you're going to borrow money off them, you've got to understand at the very least how they think. And you may even have to acknowledge, oh, they have a good point as well. So the first thing I want to just talk about, there's so much to dig into here, and I think it's great to unpack. The first thing is this trade skill of financial management. What do you think that consists? What are the sub trade skills of financial management in your experience?
1: I think the first thing is having a profit and loss statement that you look at regularly, that you have well constructed, that adds clarity to your financial situation. On a monthly basis, quarterly basis, annual basis. If you don't have a P and L that you are looking at to understand how your, you know, income and expense works, you're driving blind, and so that would be the first thing that you you just that's a basic financial management tool. And of course, balance sheet is less commonly used but also critical, and that talks about the assets that you have on hand or obligations. Those tools are the basics, so I think that's the f- place to start. And I think then beyond that, it's really about understanding your unique creation. B- businesses are like an, uh, an alive thing. They're like a little creature that you've built. And I think it's important for you to just understand the demands and productivity that you know can flow out of a business. You know we've talked about this before, but we're in a digitally based business, Cinnamon and I. So we don't have a demand for capital. you know, and that's very, very different in a business like private label products on Amazon, where you have to make huge inventory decisions early and frequently in an unclear way. So I think learning about your business is just wise to do. I realize that's easy to say after doing, Business for a decade, it's easy to say, you know, learn your business. And when you're just starting out, you're like, I don't understand any of this. You know, it's not even going yet. But I think it's important to just go slow, be methodical, realize that you're not going to make any money. Let's just say for a year or two, three years even. And, you know, I would just say that that's, you know, those lessons are important. Having the right expectations, realizing that you need to go slow, that you might not make any money at first that your business is going to be unique in its needs. I think those are my top level suggestions and
0: and ideas. I'd have one to add to that in terms of financial statements or financial reports or whatever you want to call it. I think that what you said is very important to recognize whether you're in a capital intensive business or not, particularly a physical products business and with the sheer volume at which Amazon could put things as one of the members of the mastermind put it, that you did put stock into Amazon just evaporates. This is kind of how he experiences it. So in that scenario, what I think that the serious sellers that I know do is they do a cash flow projection. Now, I've heard from Robin Johnson, I think it is from Best from the Nest, who advises people about this, mostly resellers. And she says you should start with a 13-week rolling cash flow projection, which I think is very wise. I don't think if you're going to run a private label business as opposed to reselling stock that you can turn over quickly, that that is enough. The serious people i know have not just a one-year projection but a three-year projection that is broken down daily so you need to have somebody who really understands spreadsheets and if you don't you sure as heck need to hire an expert and get that done because otherwise you are driving blind i think if you're driving at 70 miles an hour you know on the motorway then you you need to be looking 100 meters ahead then absolute minimum and if you're driving in fog you should be going slower and I think this is quite a good analogy because a lot of people try and go drive at 150 miles an hour on Amazon. First of all, they're probably breaking some kind of financial speed limit to push the metaphor a bit, but also they are probably very, very close to crashing, but they don't know because they can't see. And that's really dumb. So the faster you want to go, I think the more important it is to project ahead. One of the seriousest businesses has a 10-year cash flow projection, and they also have a low case, middle case, big case scenario as well. So a lot of thought I believe needs to go into that if you're going to really do this series.
1: No, I love that. I mean to mix the metaphor, you know, in the human body the things that grow too fast are called cancer. And you know businesses have a natural growth pacing. And so you you just want to think it through because Amazon can be boy, it just a whirlwind of potential upside and that can really lure people into the deep end of the swimming pool before they know how to swim without their floaties on. And it's just something to think about. We've just used three or four metaphors right there in the last 60 seconds. <laughs> but let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you this. In the United States, of course, we have the Small Business Administration, SBA, loans as a source of, of capital. I mentioned already PayPal working capital loans. Shopify has its own working capital loan product now. What about in the UK? What are your sources of financing available? How does that work on your side of the pond?
0: Yeah, good question. This is something we spend a lot of time discussing in the mastermind. And I think any serious Amazon seller has to ask these questions because it's so capital intensive unless you have a business partner with a lot of money and that does occur. I know one or two people like that. But for the rest of us, so I'll try and blast through this as quickly as I can. First of all, start with small amounts from business acquaintances or relatives for proven products. The next thing, I guess, commercial banks in Britain and Europe handles banking is more likely to lend than the usual high-street banks. But most banks are pretty nervous of lending to e-commerce, so they are probably the last place i go. Amazon lending is worth having if they'll offer it. It seems to offer very a great deal. You know who they offer what to and, and how much and on what terms but if you can get it it makes sense and they will generally take it back out of your earnings on amazon you really need to be aware of the impact on your cash flow you need to make your calculations very very carefully if you're going to do that there are various other options i guess paypal working capital loans you've mentioned funding circle and other similar things are pretty expensive it can end up being two or three percent per month but if you really need it and you can deploy it well and you know your numbers it's a possibility. Payoneer also does working capital loans, and I've interviewed them about that. So those are some. There are some US-based things that actually I would like to just briefly mention. I interviewed one Bruce Mack from Platinum Financing Group for the 10K Collective podcast quite a while ago, so we can put the link in the show notes. My brief summary about that is that US-based people can get up to $200,000 in in credit card debt quite easily. Obviously, the fact that you can get it easily does not mean you should not do it without great thought and you know, expert help, but it's an option. UK based businesses with LLCs can get a corporate credit card of up to about $25,000 and then possibly up to $50,000. And a lot of UK based people are well advised to get an LLC if they're selling in America a lot for on Amazon. American individuals can get IRA, use the IRAs or pensions generally, you need to approach it with, ca- with caution to avoid massive tax bills. But there are various options as I understand. So there are actually a lot of options. But again, you need to go in with great financial literacy, I think. And really, I think, although you need to hire experts, we've mentioned several times, I really think you have to educate yourself to understand it to a degree. I think ignorance of finances is not an excuse. You know, as a business person, I just don't think it's possible to run a successful business without some basic understanding of finance. And, and that's my, my takeaway from that, really. I remember the
1: hearing a quote from Reid Hoffman a long time ago, and I didn't understand it for a long time, and maybe I still don't, but it was in a wonderful lecture series he did for the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And that's available still online. Maybe we can link it in the show notes. And one of the phrases he used in that business when he was talking about the founding of PayPal and the founding of LinkedIn and other businesses, he really was a fantastic seminar series. He said that there are some businesses that you start in the underlying concept that you're working with. Is a financing concept, even more than a product concept, or you know, sort of a a, a customer avatar that you're trying, you know, a, a market need. And he said, understanding that some businesses are f- fundamentally a financing based strategy is critical. And I didn't understand what he was talking about, but now that I've been exposed to private label sellers on Amazon and that kind of thing, you really realize that there, there are some businesses like private label that I would almost say that the financing. Is the most important thing, even more than the product creation and those. I mean, it's really an integral part to it. That is a very different world than selling digitally downloaded PDF files, which is what we do. So it's fascinating.
0: I absolutely agree with what you just said. I mean, the seriously good sellers are without exception, numerate and really understand finances. And when I was going through the cash flow projection state with somebody who just put it together himself, and he's not got a CPA background. I said, how on earth did you get so good at this? And it turns out his his father worked for a very major consultancy as a you know financial planner or something. So in the end, you scratch the surface, these guys know their numbers. And it's a very analytical-based thing. I mean, you know, people plunge in without knowing what they're doing with analysis of, you know, famously Jungle Scout, Helium 10, you name the tool of the day. And you know, even that scrambles most people's brains, but what they don't think about is financial analysis. And I would argue that's just as important as trade skill. And it could be argued if you're not comfortable with both forms of analytical thinking, then it's not the business model for you because it isn't going to work without those skills, I would say. So it's tougher than people make out. And I want to be very honest and clear about that private label model thing. It's not just for the guy off the street. I mean, if the guy off the street is really sharp and works incredibly hard, it could be anyone, but you have to have either by your natural inclination or working incredibly hard or background training, a really solid grasp of analytical thinking about numbers. And if you don't, then I would stay away from it.
1: I've used this example before, I think, but Tillman Fertita, who's the business owner for Golden Nugget and a lot of restaurants as well. He's, a, he's just a huge, he's the largest restaurant tour in the United States. Had a CNBC show and the little introduction to it. it It's called The Billion Dollar Buyer. The introduction to it, he says in it, Ask me anything about my business and I will know it all. And I love that arrogance in a way. But in the show, he talks to small business after small business. And the premise is that he's acquiring new vendors for silverware and glasses and lighting fixtures and you know signage and all this stuff. And he is just yeah you know, like a number machine he is a human calculator and largest restaurant tour in the United States, so you get the idea, and I think to your point, there is a lot to say about that, and it gets back to this initial idea of knowing yourself, okay, I think we've covered this pretty well. I love those takeaways. Final takeaways or thoughts from your perspective?
0: Yeah, well, I guess I just to reiterate a little bit what I was saying. Put it this way, you cannot afford to be really ignorant of numbers, but your business as a whole, I would say from the private labelers perspective anyway, must be good at numbers, if not excellent. And that particularly is true if you're going to use debt. So the flip side of that is, as you were implying, if one recognises about oneself that you're not detail-oriented or comfortable with the financial protections and spreadsheets, then I'd just lower the risk and stay away from what you don't understand and you could do very well with a more modest approach. But I think that's one of my first things. The second thing is, I'm just just reiterating a lot of what we said. I mean, debt is a risky thing. And just because historically right now in 2020, because of COVID, again, some crazy loans are available from the UK and US governments and others, and interest rates have been deliberately held back very artificially by governments. That will probably not be the case. And I think the UK is probably one of the biggest at risk of inflation because it's trashed its currency with some weird and populist-driven politics, which has meant that economically, there's going to be a lot of reasons why input prices will be very high. We'll have inflation. And what happens when you have inflation, central banks, sooner or later, have to raise interest rates. They have no choices. So do not assume that the current environment of risk level associated with debt will last forever. That said, though, the flip side of that is right now, debt is super, super, super cheap and widely available. So load your boots as long as you understand what you're doing, and they're doing it in the <laughs> right way. You've got to be very mindful. But now, if you are mindful and literate, now is an incredible opportunity to get debt at a level that's never going to be as cheap again in my lifetime, I believe. What are your takeaways? I mean, you've obviously got some you know, quite different takes on it. It's quite interesting. I love the phrase, load your boots.
1: I think I would just say, if you need to load your boots, you want to evaluate your business. And I would just encourage everyone to grow into business models that require less and less capital intensive situations. That's my personal inclination. And I would just encourage people to think about their business dynamics in such a way that over time you lower risk rather than over time increasing your risk. And that's my kind of my own nature. And I would encourage people along those lines to think through how can you Never need debt and begin to build a business that looks like that. And it's hard work and might take time, may take years, but I would encourage people along those lines. And I think the number one takeaway from my Paul Hawken book, you know, kind of reference point is work through these issues before you need it. Do the due diligence, the learning, the insights, the research, not under stress, not under financial crisis, that is when you will mess things up. And the smartest thing you can do then is take it like an educational effort and go through process, start small, and really expose yourself to the best thinking on the planet on how to operate financially. And that will serve you really, really
0: well. That's excellent advice. Really like that. I was just going to say that I love the Paul Hawking thing. And it's just going to say that we also have some offers, if not debt. So so debt-free offers for our listeners. So go ahead. I think you're about to say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't go into debt
1: to enter our new contest. We're, we're going to do another contest. We did one when he kicked off the podcast and it was fun. And so we'll do another contest. Of course, these are set up on the US side. So they're available to US listeners, except for those who live in Rhode Island, which is a funny nuance of contest legality, but we have a fun contest running the website. When you listen to this episode, go check it out. We're going to do these now systematically and start to have them happening in an ongoing way. So look at the homepage on theecommerceleader.com for the contest, and we're going to give away fun prizes. We're going to kick it off here. And by the time you listen to this, it'll be up and going. So I'll save the details, but I'll just encourage you to go check it out. Of course, there are other resources there as well. We've gotten several giveaways, that were kind of resources that we pulled together for our listeners. Michael had several fantastic tools. I had several things that were okay, I guess, hopefully fantastic. And we'd love to have you pick those up. So thank you so much for listening to the episodes, downloading them, leaving reviews. Your guys' support for this is just a fantastic blessing in our lives. We love these conversations and we love hearing your feedback in whatever form you give it. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. That was the e-commerce leader podcast
0: with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to com. Thanks for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to AmazingFBA.com forward slash 45Jibbo.